seated, and uh, let's go in our Bibles to 1 Kings chapter number 17, 1 Kings 17. First Kings 17, and uh, this morning we're going we're to continue our lesson on Elijah. We started this lesson last week on Elijah, and uh, before that we had studied the book of Jonah. And Elijah's a wonderful prophet, a wonderful character in the Bible, to be honest with you. And we just looked at verse number one last week, and we noticed a lot about Elijah. We noticed a lot about Ahab. We noticed a lot about the land of Israel. And we did a lot of background on who they are and where they've come from and the things that they did. And so I hope and pray that that's a blessing to you. If you missed that, uh, you can go on the webpage, uh, audio.anchorbaptistchurch.net, or if you just go to anchorbaptistchurch.net and then go to preaching, you can go back and you can listen to the old messages uh, in audio format on the webpage. So uh, you can do that and go back and pick up a Sunday school lesson if you missed one or something of that nature. And I hope and pray that that's a blessing and a help to you. Uh, we try and get those up, keep those updated on there, and uh, that'll help you out. That's different than the video, okay? There's video on there too, but that's the audio files, and they're all up there, and we keep those up there pretty, pretty regular. So 1 Kings chapter number 17 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And Elijah the Tishbite who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for your uh, many blessings in our life. Father, we do thank you for our country. God, we thank you for another birthday that we celebrate. And God, I thank you for uh, just the fact that Roe versus Wade has been overturned. And God, what a step in the right direction. And God, we certainly so thank you for that. And what a, uh, what a great victory. And so, Father, we ask that you would just help our country. We pray that you would just uh, cause us to turn back to you, Father. I know that uh, the direction of our country is not always right. And, God, I know that much of the direction is uh, very much so in the wrong direction. But, God, we are thankful for the glimmer of light and the glimmer of hope that we did have uh, with, with this overturning of Roe versus Wade. And so, Father, I pray that you would just bless our country. I pray that you'd help. Uh, the Christians to stand strong, and I pray, Father, that you would help our nation to turn back to you, Father, and God will certainly thank you for that. God, I pray that you'd bless our Sunday school lesson this morning. I pray that, that you'd use me, speak through me, Father, and touch hearts as only you can, and God will thank you for that, and God will give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray, 
Amen. As we look at Elijah this morning, uh, we're going we're gonna to look at uh, his waiting. Um, last week, we kind of looked at uh, his history and backdrop, and, and uh, this week, we're going to look at the waiting of Elijah. Uh, you remember last week, we covered verse 1, and after Elijah went in and pronounced judgment uh, of God coming to Israel by way of the drought that was coming to them, uh, God immediately gives Elijah his next assignment. He says there in verse number 2, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, And so it would seem to indicate that Elijah goes into King Ahab and he says, hey, there's not going to be dew nor rain until I say so. And then God says, hey, Elijah, here's your next task. I want you to go to the brook Cherith. And uh, and so the word of the Lord comes right to him. And uh, and it's important for us to realize that next assignment was given uh, right after he completed the first one. I don't know if you ever did this, but when we were teenagers, uh, we were introduced to a game. It was a scavenger hunt as, a, as youth in church. And, uh, and what, what they would do is, uh, at least the one that I played, I, there's several variants of the game, but uh, they'd give us Bible, a whole list of Bible verses. And, uh, and man, you'd look up all those Bible verses, and you had to try and find there was something that would correlate uh, in those Bible verses. And so uh, maybe they would, uh, they would all have the word rock in it. And maybe there would be a prominent rock on the property. And you had to go find that rock and, uh, and find your next clue would be uh, on that rock. And you'd get your next clue and, uh, and it would have more verses. And you'd have to look up all those verses and you'd have to find and, and maybe it would talk about field. And then you had to go out in the field and you had to wander around and look for the next clue that was out there in the field and you'd find that and 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 so that's what we do we do a scavenger hunt you go from place to place you couldn't go uh you couldn't go to the next clue until you had found the clue uh that that you had uh you that would lead you to the next one you couldn't skip that one and go to the next one there was no way to do that and uh that's kind of how God works sometimes in our life uh, when he gives us instruction and when he gives us direction and we find, hey, if we'll do what God wants us to do, uh, then, then, hey, he'll continue to the next step. We see that here in the life of Elijah, uh, that he gave Elijah a task, go to King Ahab, pronounce the judgment that is going to fall on the nation of Israel. And, uh, and then while he was there and after he had done that, then God said, hey, here's your next step. Go to the brook Cherith. We go back and we can, uh, we can take the adverse of that. It's true as well. Jonah. Remember, God told Jonah, go to Nineveh. What did Jonah do? He went down, got on a boat, went the wrong direction. You know what God said? I said, go to Nineveh. And he sent a storm. And no, Jonah still didn't obey. And so uh, then the sailors threw him overboard and God sent a fish. And, and God spit him up closer to Nineveh and said, hey, I said, go to Nineveh. And so Jonah uh, finally did go to Nineveh. And so God will give us the next step when we, when we do uh, what he has asked us to do. And sometimes we're busy asking the Lord, give me direction, give me direction. But we're not doing the simple things that he has already given us to do. And he said, wait a minute, why would I give you something to do if you're not if you're not doing basics, if you're not reading your Bible, if you're not attending church, if you're not uh, giving offering, if you're not witnessing, if you're not doing these basic things, and I'm not going to move you to the next level, I'm not going to call you to go here or go there if you're not doing these basic things that you need to work on in your life. 
And so God will give us uh, some basic things, but then He'll move us on and on and continue as we go step by step. He'll give us instructions. And so we need to understand that. And of course, the very first step in all of that is, of course, salvation. Um, if somebody doesn't know the Lord as their personal Savior, then there's no way that God's going to continue to give them further direction in their life. The first thing that they need to do is trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. And sometimes people uh, really, some people are uh, concerned and they're saying, well, what does God want for my life? And there are people who haven't been saved and they are conscientious that there is a God. And they do say, hey, you know what, I, I do genuinely want to know what, what does God want for my life? Hey, and the first step is trust him as your personal savior. That's the first thing. And, uh, and so we understand that. Go with me to verse number uh, 3 and 5. Uh, as we look here in, in 1 Kings chapter number 17, verse number 3, look at what he says. Well, verse 2, we'll go there. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. Now I want you to notice that God was uh, sending Elijah to a place where he could be protected. Sometimes uh, we think, man, that's, that's a strange request. And sometimes we think, well, any kind of practical, uh, practical work or practical uh, ideas are not of God. Listen, this was a very practical idea. Where's the brook Cherith? Well, the brook Cherith uh, was a brook that was often dry except in rainy season. Now, I don't know, uh, I'm trying to think in Ohio, I, we probably don't understand rainy season. I guess we kind of do. Springtime would be more of a rainy season. We're kind of in the dry season right now. You notice all the yards are turning brown and, and you, if you uh, if you love your yard, you're probably out there watering it, or your garden, you know, you probably got to water your garden because there's not enough rainfall. And, and so, uh, so we're kind of in dry season. Well, uh, the brook Cherith uh, would, would be wet during rainy season, but was often dry. And it was a great place to hide uh, or conceal or uh, put themselves so that nobody else could find them. It was kind of an off-the-beaten path. It wasn't somewhere that people would go normally. And look at what God says to him. He says, get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself. And so God was telling Elijah, hey, go into hiding. Get, get, get down. I mean, get away and, and stay where uh, it is safe because it, it obviously was not safe at this time for Elijah in the nation of Israel. And we'll look at that because as we look at his protection, uh, the protection of his life, we see the necessity of this protection. It was a waiting assignment from God. You know, there is nothing, absolutely nothing fun about hiding. It is absolutely boring. I mean, um, we used to play hide and seek as kids. And, and probably the most fun I ever had when I was really little is that my uncle that was uh, there at the time, uh, he, I was really little, he picked me up and put me on top of the refrigerator. And I just sat up there and watched all the kids wandering around the house looking for me, and they could not find me. Uh, so that was fun because I watched all everything that they were doing. Uh, but, uh, but generally, you go hide, and uh, man, I've played hide-and-go-seek before, and it's like you go hide, and you're like, where is anybody? 
This is boring. I mean, uh, I, I'm just sitting here and I'm sitting still and, and nobody's found me. Nobody's even gone by. And are they even playing or did they all leave me and go get ice cream at the house? I mean, uh, you know, all those thoughts run, run through your head and you're thinking, man, this is boring. And you could imagine Elijah as he sat there by the brook Cherith. It, you talk about a boring assignment. This guy goes sat by the brook. There's nobody there to talk to. There's nobody passing by. Uh, there, there's, there's, it's lonely, uh, and you just sit there, and you are waiting. And listen, sometimes God gives us boring assignments. We like the busy assignments. I, I, like to, I don't like to not be busy. I like to stay occupied. I like to be doing stuff. And, and I could imagine Elijah, I mean, this going to Ahab, boy, that was right up Elijah's alley. I mean, man, I'm, I'm going to go tell that king that he is wicked and that the nation's going to be judged of God. I mean, man, I could see Elijah getting excited about that. And so he goes and he does that. And then God says, hey, now I want you to go to Brook Cherith and hide yourself. Man, you talk about boring. We don't know how long he was there, uh, but, but we love the exciting assignments. We love those that are, hey, let's go do this and let's be busy, but we don't like those that are set and wait. But so many times it's necessary in our life that we set and wait. Uh, if you look at the necessity of his protection, Ahab's wrath was kindled. I mean, you, you, we don't see it immediately in this text, but you know he got infuriated. Look with me in the next passage, uh, 1 Kings chapter number 18, and verses number 7, for context's sake. They've been looking now for Elijah for a while. Look at verse number 7. And as Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him, and he knew him, and fell on his face and said, Art thou that my lord Elijah... And he answered him, I am. Go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. So here's Obadiah, and, uh, and Elijah shows himself to him, and he says, hey, go tell King Ahab that I'm here. Look with me in verse 9. And he said, what have I sinned, or what have I sinned, that thou wouldest deliver thy servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me? As the Lord thy God liveth, there, shall, there is no nation or kingdom whither my Lord hath not sent to seek thee. And when they said he is not there, he took an oath of the kingdom and nation that they found thee not. So um, it's, not, it's Obadiah. I was going to say it's Ahab. It's not Ahab. It's Obadiah is speaking here in verse 10. And he says, look, he's like, if I go tell King Ahab that I just ran into Elijah, he's going to be so angry he'll kill me. And why did he say that? He said, look in verse number 10, he says this, he says, uh, King Ahab had sent people throughout every nation and every kingdom looking for Elijah. And when they could not find Elijah, he said they took an oath in other words, they made them swear, hey, do you solemnly swear that uh, Elijah is not in your province, is not in your town, not in your house, and, and you're not concealing him and hiding him? And, and, and they, had to, they had to swear and sign an oath. And uh, listen, if, they, if he found out that, uh, that they were concealing him, that they were hiding him, they're done. I mean, he would kill them. 
And so that's what Obadiah is scared of. He's saying, man, uh, King Ahab, he was irate after you left here. And he has sent people seeking throughout the entire kingdom and every household. And you kind of see the messengers, hey, knocking on doors and asking everywhere you want. I mean, Elijah ascended to the number one top wanted man in all of Israel. I mean, his sign was plastered in every post office and every store. And every time you turn on the evening news, well, they didn't have TV. I'm sure they had sketch artists drawing his picture and putting it out everywhere. Elijah wanted by the king. And, and he was saying, hey, this man is wanted by God. And so it was necessary for Elijah to hide himself and conceal himself. And that's what I'm saying, that sometimes, uh, the, listen, uh, it's, it's a practical thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, sometimes we get the idea, well, you know, if, if God wants to protect me, then I can go live out in the open, I can go to the store, and I can live my life normally, and God will protect me. But God was saying, hey, now I want you to go hide yourself. That was the instruction he gave him, and it was a very practical instruction, and Ahab was, uh, was angry. I want you to notice this as well, that doing God's will sometimes invokes anger of the ungodly. Listen, when you do what God wants you to do, sometimes that will make people, powerful people even, angry. Um, and listen, but that was God's will. We know for a fact that God had sent Elijah there to tell King Ahab uh, that, he was, that they were living wickedly. And, uh, and so we know that Elijah did what God wanted him to do. And sometimes, listen, people will get upset when you do what is right. Uh, you look at this, uh, the, boy, the, the, uh, the people that were just irate at the overturning of Roe versus Wade. I mean, anger. I mean, they are, uh, if you watch it, they're just... Uh, they, they, they're just irate. They're, they're, they're just uh, going on and on and on. And they're inciting violence and they're calling for violence. They're saying, hey, uh, you know, this needs to be overturned. And so uh, sometimes doing right makes people angry. So we see the necessity of this protection, but we see the judgment of this protection. Uh, concealment is another form of judgment. You say, well, what does that mean? Listen, Elijah went to Ahab and he said, it's not going to rain or do for these years until I say so. In other words, hey, this is God's judgment on Israel. It's not going to do. It's not going to rain. It's going to be dry and everything is going to die. And that's one form of judgment. But the second one was God said to Elijah, hey, go hide yourself. You know what that meant? The light of God would be concealed to Israel. In other words, no more prophecy, no more word of God for Israel, no more uh, preaching of the word of God. In other words, hey, I'm going to take the man of God and I'm going to hide him uh, because Israel is not interested in following what God wants. And, and hiding the man of God from public view in ministry was a form of judgment and saying, hey, you have lived so wickedly and the man of God has preached and preached and preached and said stuff uh, and, and, the, and the hand of God has been on Israel for so long, but you've been so stubborn that you're not going to obey the word of God that I'm going to take the man of God and I'm going to hide him. And no more, no more prophecy for Israel. No more announcements from God to Israel. No more speaking from God 
to Israel. And he's going to shut off the light. And they're going to be left in the darkness, if it will. And, uh, and you could see how that wickedness would abound with the lack of light and lack of preaching is in Israel as God was judging Israel for their wickedness. We already talk, talked last week about the Balaam uh, the Baal uh, worship and the idol worship and the wickedness that was in the land during that day. And, uh, and so putting the prophet of God away and hiding him was further judgment on Israel. The Bible says this in Psalm 109, verse 17. It says, As he loved cursing, so let it come unto him. As he delighteth not in blessing, so let it be far from him. Hey, listen, if they weren't going to listen, God's going to take the man of God and he's going to, he's going to whisk him away and say, you're done with it. And, and, and we'll see how that turns out for you. Because if there's no preaching, if there's no, uh, no uh, light in Israel, then there's no chance of repentance. There's no chance of them turning. They'll be swallowed up in darkness and they'll continue in the way that they were going. So we see the protection of Elijah's life and how necessary it was. Look in verse number 5. And so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. In other words, he did go to the book Cherith. And he hid himself. And, uh, and he was not able to be found in Israel. John Butler said it this way. Speaking of hiding the man of God, uh, he said this. He says, does not this truth explain why so many pulpits in our land are so barren of good spiritual food. Of course it does. People have for too long shown little interest in spiritual blessing. If the preacher's sermon goes a bit long, they fume and fuss as they prefer their all Sunday afternoon sports shows and beer commercials on TV to a few extra minutes of spiritual instruction from God's book. So God, in His justified wrath, has emptied pulpit after pulpit of men who could preach with excellence, and now about all you get from the Sunday sermons are husks. I thought, boy, he worded it very well. Boy, that's true. Uh, how many churches in America are without preachers? And how many play? I was uh, I was listening to a a preacher in Canada, and he said there. He said, we've got pulpits empty that, that cannot be filled. He said, men that are uh, 60 and 70 years old are, 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 that have retired are coming back and, and having to fill pulpits because there's nobody else to preach to them. And he said, I fear that we're going to get to a day when there'll be circuit-riding preachers and there'll be one pastor for five churches. He said, because there's nobody to fill pulpits. What happened? Well, maybe... People weren't interested, and so God concealed the man of God. And so I'm just saying it is another form of judgment uh, very well that could take place. And so uh, we see that, we do see that take place even today. Uh, go with me to verse number 4, 1 Kings 17, 4. Not only the, was the protection necessary, or the protection of his life rather, but look with me in verse number 4. We see the provision of his meals in verse number four. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. The provision of Elijah's meals. We see the protection that was necessary. Now we see the provision of his food. I want you to notice the source of his food. 
Um, if, you know what a raven is? Have you ever watched ravens? They're, they're not a very nice bird. I mean, they're not your blue jays. They're not your cardinals. They're not your robins. They're not the, uh, the sparrows that come to your feeders and you enjoy watching them. And, and uh, they're, they're not those kind of birds. They're a scavenger is what they are. A, a scavenger. They go clean up. Now, I'm, I'm grateful for scavengers because if we didn't have them, there'd be little dead animals everywhere. Nothing else would eat them. So we need the scavengers, okay? But most of the scavenger animals are not very nice-looking critters. Um, they're usually kind of some of the grosser animals that we have. And, uh, and so these ravens, they're a scavenger bird. Matter of fact, that's where you get the word um, ravenous, you know, to, to eat uh, ravenously. And so that's kind of like uh, devour something. And, uh, and they're, they're not uh, a very good bird, a uh, nice bird, rather. And so sometimes God supplies in very unlikely means. In other words, God said to Elijah, hey, you go by the brook Cherith, and you know what? I'm going to supply your needs, but it's not going to be what you think. By the way, Elijah being a prophet of God would have been very familiar with the Old Testament, would have been very familiar with the laws of the Old Testament, the dietary restrictions of Israel, and, uh, and a raven was a bird that they were not to eat. It was considered unclean. And so the very thought that God would use an unclean animal that was written in his law as unclean to bring food to the very prophet of God would be something unheard of to Elijah. And he'd say, man, this is crazy. But God supplies uh, in unlikely means. And he did send that raven there to feed him. Now, I want you to notice not just the, the food and the source of the food, but I want you to notice the stipulation of faith. God supplies, but requires faith on our half and belief on our part. And listen, there's my, my dad once said, I'm sure he got it from another preacher, but my dad said this, that there's a fine line between faith and foolishness. And sometimes it's hard to know the difference between the two. But sometimes we, uh, we call faith, you know, uh, operating out of foolishness. And sometimes uh, we operate uh, calling it faith and it's not really even faith and, uh, or it is faith. And, and it's hard sometimes to distinguish. But here we know for sure God told them, hey, that the ravens were going to feed them. And, and he had to believe that those ravens were going to go there. You know, there was nothing that Elijah could do. He went by that brook Cherith and there he is sitting and he's waiting. Remember that he's waiting. He's sitting there. Man, getting a, little, getting a little hungry down there. Feeling a little rumble in my tumbly. Man, I wish I had something to eat. He started wandering around. He's thinking, well, maybe, man, those berries, they, they might, buy, might not be too bad. No, no. God told me to wait for the raven. And so he just, he just had to wait. There was, there was no pay phone. There was no cell phone. He couldn't send an email and say, hey, where's that, where's that delivery that I ordered? Man, it's 30 minutes. Is it going to be free today? You know, I mean, he was totally dependent on God saying, hey, uh, I'm, I'm waiting for that food. And it was an object of faith for Elijah to wait for God's provision. Uh, listen, I'm with you. I do not like to wait. Most people don't like to wait. In America, uh, we are, we just, we're not a waiting people. 
Um, but, but God had commanded him here to wait on the Lord. I want you to notice this, not just that he had to believe that God was going to provide and there was nothing that he could do but wait on God, and he had to believe, but I want you to notice this, the scheduling of the food. You know, God didn't say, hey, it's gonna be, you're going to get three square meals a day, and that bird's gonna uh, that bird's gonna swing by the local restaurant and nab somebody's plate of entire food and bring it by and drop it off for you uh, three times a day. No, that wasn't it at all. God said, "Hey, uh, listen, uh, twice a day this raven is gonna come by." Listen, sometimes we need to understand and realize that sometimes God gets us by on just what we need. You, know, you can live on two meals a day; it might not be enjoyable but you can live on two meals a day. Things keep going the way they are. We might live on two meals a day. I mean, you just never know. But I'm just saying, there are times when God says, hey, I'm going to provide what you need, not what you want. You might get what you need and not what you want. And so God is providing here just the minimal by a raven that would come by and drop it off for uh, Elijah every single day. And I want you to notice that that was really, it was a miraculous thing. I mean, for, for a raven to go by and pick up food, and I don't know what food it was. I don't know. We have no idea what the raven would bring by Elijah every day. And by the way, Elijah couldn't put his order in. He just got whatever God gave him and said, hey, God's going to take care of your needs. And so uh, that, that, that raven will fly by. I don't know if, if, it, if he just swooped by and dropped it on the rock beside Elijah. I don't know how it took place. But I know this, that, hey, when a raven is dropping off food, a scavenger bird that eats everything is dropping off food, that's a miracle of God. And Elijah got to watch the miracle of God. As, as God would provide. Listen, it's exciting to watch the miracle of God in our life. But I want you to notice this as well. He said in verse number three, or verse number four, he said in the first part, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. The water was not miraculous. God said, hey, look, I'm putting you by a brook, and here's a brook with water. That's where you're, you're going to get your water. It was practical. And sometimes we're asking God for a miracle when he's provided practical means for us to get what we need. Um, I love the old joke, the guy, uh, the guy is in a, um, in a flood. And uh, as the floodwaters are coming up, he's, he's praying, Lord, I know you can save me. And, and so, Lord, I'm just praying that you'll save me. And, and pretty soon the floodwaters come and, and he's up in his attic and, and pretty soon, man, he has to crawl out and he goes and he's on his roof. And he's like, Lord, I know that you can save me. And while he's there on the roof, a boat comes by and, and says, hey, uh, why don't you get in our boat? And he says, no, no, I'm praying that the Lord's going to save me. And I know the Lord's going to save me. He's like, all right, he leaves. And so, man, the water keeps coming up and boy, he moves higher up his roof and he's about on the peak and, and another boat comes by and he says, man, uh, hey, you need to get in this boat. These floodwaters are bad. And he says, no, no, I'm praying that the Lord's going to save me and it'll be okay. Pretty soon uh, the boat leaves and the water keeps going up and he's standing on the peak and, and he's just kind of there and, and pretty soon a helicopter comes by. And they call down to him, hey, do you want us to save you? And he said, no, I'm praying that the Lord will, will save me. He said, you, you just go ahead and leave. And the helicopter's like, all right, they leave. And the floodwaters go up and go up and the guy dies. And he gets to heaven and he said, Lord, 
Why didn't you save me? The Lord says, I sent three things. What more do you want? He passed them all by. Sometimes we're so busy looking for the spectacular that we don't see the, the common sense answer that's right in front of our face. And God was telling Elijah, hey, you drink from the book Cherith. I don't always have to perform a miracle. Matter of fact, I don't perform miracles where it's not necessary. Bringing the food from outside was necessary. Uh, bringing, having it delivered to him was necessary. Elijah couldn't go walking around town uh, and be spotted by other people. And so uh, there was a need to bring the food by, but the water source was right there, and God didn't need to do a miracle to provide the water. But I want you to notice this too, that this water and this supply was not forever. Could you imagine, I've, I know I've mentioned this before, but uh, could you imagine as you're sitting there by the brook Cherith? I mean, the first, the first while it was great. I mean, Elijah had just pronounced judgment and this brook was probably flowing. And man, he probably had a little uh, a water receptacle of some sort and he'd just go down or maybe he just took his hands and, and man lapped it up and there was water flowing and it was no problem to get a drink. But as things started going... And, and maybe he had to move some rocks around him, kind of make a pool, and, and it was getting harder to get any kind of water because the flow was reduced. And, and before long, if you read the text, you'll find out that, uh, but boy, the brook Cherith was about to dry up. Now, I, don't, I could just kind of picture Elijah down there just waiting uh, just for his hands to fill up as the water would drip out and, and he would just get a little bit of water. And sometimes we need to trust in the Lord and wait on the Lord. And it's not something that we always enjoy. But hey, we've got to trust that He knows what's best for our life. We know that verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. The Bible says, uh, verse 5 rather, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. I always say I love the verses, and I do love the first half of that verse. I don't like the second part of that verse. Because I like to lean on my understanding. I like to know what's going on. I like to understand why this is this way or that way. And God says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. And as Elijah was there and he was trying to get water out of that brook, perhaps he was saying, man, Lord, I... I trust you. I know that you can take care of me, but boy, it's getting harder to get water every day. My water intake's going down. And we see the provision of, of God for Elijah. We see the protection of God for Elijah. I want you to notice this as well. And that's the preparation of Elijah's heart. You know, the, one of the things that you think about there at the Brook Cherith, we're talking about waiting waiting specifically on the Lord and trusting in the Lord. One of the hard things is, uh, as Elijah was there, he probably started talking to that raven. Maybe he named it. I mean, the loneliness. Could you imagine day after day after day, he'd go to bed, he'd get up, He'd go to bed, he'd get up, he would not see anybody. We kind of know a little bit about solitary confinement over the past couple of years uh, that, that everyone was confined to their home, but, uh, uh, you know, but Elijah had nobody. And that raven would come by, and, and, and he didn't even have a telephone to pick up and call somebody. He didn't have uh, Facebook to see how other, somebody else was doing across town. I mean, he had nothing. He didn't have the local radio station to get the news or even listen to another voice. And here he was, setting an absolute solitary confinement by himself for day 
after day after day. Matter of fact, I would uh, probably believe that this dragged on for months as that brook started to dry up. And absolutely nobody to talk to. And I'm reminded of the verse, Psalm 46.10, that says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen, and I will be exalted in the earth. That first part, be still and know that I am God. I imagine Elijah sat there until he was bored out of his mind three times over and thought, man, I'm going crazy. I'm talking to this raven that comes every... As a matter of fact, I'm starting to look forward to the raven visit. Not because of the food. It's because I talk to him a little bit. Then he leaves. And, and, and Elijah's sitting here thinking, boy, the solitude, solitude. Man, we live in such a busy society. And, and I'm guilty of this just as much as anyone else that we think we have to be constantly busy. And if we're not busy, boy, we turn on the TV or we turn on the radio and, and we can't just sit in silence. Could you imagine Elijah just sitting there in silence, listening to the birds chirp, the river flowing? That was it. He didn't have anything else. Sometimes we just need to stop and get away from everything and just enjoy time with God. And I think that was necessary in Elijah's life. Not only that, for the solitude, but I think the need of humility. You say, what do you mean? When Elijah was serving God in a very prominent position, matter of fact, Elijah, uh, he kind of walks onto the scene. We don't have a whole lot of his past. We don't know where he came from. We don't know what he did. But he comes storming onto the scene uh, to, to proclaim to the king that he's a wicked man and that he's not doing right. And, uh, and boy, Elijah comes, becomes very prominent in these next few chapters. And he's a very prominent figure in the Bible. And maybe God said, listen, Elijah, you need to come apart and be separate and be by yourself a while because you need to understand it's God that's doing the work, not you. God allowed Elijah to be very prominent in his position. God said, hey, you go tell King Ahab that it's not going to rain or do until you say so. That's what God told Elijah. That's a lot of prominence. That's a lot of power. That's a lot of uh, ability. And Elijah's head could easily swell right up and say, man, look at me. I got the power over, uh, over the entire kingdom of, of Israel. And, and if I say it's going to rain, it's going to rain. And if I say it's not going to rain, it's not going to rain. And, and Elijah could have very well become very prideful and very arrogant. And so God separates him and sets him down and says, hey, uh, listen, uh, I want you to be sure that it's me working and not you. And so I'm going to set you on the sidelines for a while. And listen, when you're, if you ever played on a sports team and you were, you were good at your position, I didn't have that problem. I played on a sports team, but I wasn't very good at my position. But if you ever played on a sports team and you were good at your position and the coach sets you on the bench, boy, that makes you mad. You're like, I need to be out there. Our team's going to lose. I need to be doing this. I need to be busy. I need that. That's my position, and I know how to play that position. Why am I sitting on the sideline? That's kind of Elijah. And God's saying, listen, you're sitting on the sideline because it is not you. 
it's me that works in Israel. And it was a source of humility for Elijah. Talking about his preparation as he waited on the Lord. It was solitude. It was a source of, it was a need for humility. Then lastly, it was a need for patience. That thing that we don't like. That thing that we don't like to wait on God. That verse in Psalms, I believe it's 37, if I'm not mistaken, says wait. And it says it two different times. It's my least favorite verse of the Bible, I think. Because it says wait on the Lord. We don't like to wait on the Lord. We like to do. We like to go. We like to be active. Here's Elijah sitting by the brook. It was not wasted time. God was working in Elijah's heart. God was working in Elijah's life. God was working through it all so that Elijah would be prepared to continue the ministry that he would do in the end. He had to wait because he had to learn the patience and to wait on God. We see the waiting of Elijah. We see his protection. We see God's provision and providing for his needs. And we see the preparation that God prepared Elijah's heart as he was sitting there and waiting on the Lord and waiting for the Lord to give him the next set of instructions. Listen, we don't like all of that, but boy, what a, what a great lesson. We love the greatness of Elijah. We love how God uh, works through his ministry in a phenomenal way. Boy, we don't like the whole waiting period where he sat by the brook Cherith, and he just waited. He didn't have any more instruction. And the brook started to dry up, and the ravens were coming every day, but that's it. And he's saying, God, I'm waiting. God, I hope you give me instruction soon because this brook, it's starting to get pretty small. I don't know where I'm going to get my water from. And God was teaching Elijah some very important lessons in his life. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, God teaches us so many lessons in our life. And we don't like to wait, but waiting is such an important aspect in our life. Trusting in the Lord is such an important aspect in our life. What a great lesson that God uses in Elijah's life to help teach us. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your word. So refreshing. God, so relevant for today. God, maybe somebody is waiting and maybe they've done everything that you want them to do but they find themselves in a place that they just have to wait on you. And God, I know that can be difficult. I know that can be a struggle. So God, I pray that you'd comfort those, help them, strengthen them as they wait. God, may they accept where they're at by the brook Cherith until you give them the next instruction. God, I pray that you would bless each and every person. I pray that each and every person would follow you with their life. Father, we'll thank you for that. God, we'll give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Are you following God? listening to God? Are you doing His will? Are you waiting on God?
it's the busyness of life that crowds out God out of our life. Maybe we need to take more time for Him. appreciate your faithfulness and being in the house of the Lord today. And I know that uh, probably a lot of people are out of town with the 4th of July and such, or maybe some are in town, uh, but we're glad you're here. And uh, smile at somebody, tell them you're glad to see them this morning. And we've got about five minutes before we'll start our next service. And, uh, and so you got a little bit of time here. God bless. Thank you. 